Trump holds court, forgetting to remember, Iowa loses a hero, and WTF Jeff Kaufman. What a week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Lauren McElmeal, the Digital Director for Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week, where we break down the week's top stories. We are going to start with this week's Democratic debate, the November debate. Um, and it was held on Transgender Day of Remembrance. But uh, shockingly, or maybe not so much, uh, they forgot to remember the Transgender Day of remember- Remembrance. And not one question was asked about the continu- the continued violence against trans and gender nonconforming individuals. Um, Lauren, were you surprised by this, forgetting to remember? No. No, I feel like we, <laughs> every debate, we after every debate, I think it's a recurring theme on this podcast we a, where we talk just a about, monthly series what did they forget to talk right, about in the democratic right. debates and i will say that watching the debate there was it was it was pretty powerful and 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 cool to have four female moderators four pr- female presidential candidates on stage and so i think there were a lot of topics that were discussed in a broader and or, or, in, a, or in a more in-depth way than have been in the past but this is a pretty glaring um, this is a pretty glaring omission and really an unfortunate one. Oh, for sure. Because I mean, this, this administration has basically just like declared war on any sort of really LGBTQ individual, but especially transgender individuals. Um, even just in 2019, there have been 29 individuals who have been murdered and 91% of the trans women killed in the U S throughout 2019 were black. Over 80% of the victims were under the age of 30, which as someone who is under 25 and thinking about how what it be, would be like to have your your life end at 30 just sounds terrifying. To, to go through your life and kind of know that you are almost living on borrowed time, I think sounds like the most terrifying and horrifying thing of all. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, I, I cannot even imagine what that must be like, but to think that there are two there are two major political parties in this country and one really does have like or should have is the party that should have um, have people who are the most vulnerable at the center of their policies and most policies of the presidential candidates are generally good or certainly far better than what Trump is doing but to not have but have this na- but to have this national platform and not even be seen by these candidates or by the moderators is really is really unfortunate. I think it's also, I, I mean, it's it's almost mind boggling because transgender issues have been in the news just about every week. Right, and candidates are, have been talking about yeah. them too. It's not like this as it's not like it's out of left field for, no. for one of these candidates to talk about it because they have been mentioning it on the campaign trail. Yeah, and, and also there was literally just a Supreme Court case that was argued a couple weeks ago about employment discrimination for transgender individuals, and that would have been a... Pre- I, I can come up with a question right now. What are you going to do to ensure that discrimination against trans individuals does not continue? Right. Or how are you going to protect against hate crimes how are you going to strengthen our hate crime laws so that they include these definitions of sexual identity and or gender identity and protections for these people who are just living on the the fringes of uh not society but 
most people are of maybe of equal are, protection. Yeah, of equal protection. Sure. Yes. And I think one of the things that we might all get stuck on is the marriage equality fight was such a big deal. And then in 2015, when the Obergefell decision came down, I think a lot of people thought like, well, we're, we're done. That's it. We got it. We're good. Pat yourself on the back. We're done. But there is so many other issues that come into play. Like again, employment discrimination, housing discrimination. There is a huge epidemic of homelessness among the LGBTQ plus population that is not being addressed. And I mean, some of these candidates have housing plans, but how does that include protections for people who are, have been homeless because of who they are? And I think that overlooking that is a glaring omission that needs to be addressed. And it's it's very disheartening to see my friends who are trans and gender nonconforming have to deal with basically the er constant erasure of their identities from these big nationwide debates. And I mean, it, and it shouldn't even be that like there is a token question or something because this is very important. These are people's lives on the line. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be, but... Any question would have been better yeah. than literally none. Um, well, I mean, it could have been tied into something like explain your housing plan. Now, please explain how that's going to be, um, uh, how that's going to affect transgender individuals or people who've been discriminated against by housing boards. And um, the you could talk about it in the military as through that mm -hmm. lens. Like, would you, I mean, I think it's a, probably a, a silly question to say, would you lift the ban on transgender individuals serving in the military? But I think honestly, at this point, we cannot take anything for granted because the way that we got here is we started taking things for granted and we didn't pay attention and all this stuff just kind of happened. Yeah. I don't think there's any silly, I mean, I don't think there's any silly question mm -hmm. because it's, it's just a, or maybe simple, simple, not silly. Yeah. But even that, like, it's just an opportunity to affirm a position, yes. you know, and, and to ab and to stand and to stand up and, and say that this community is seen, yes. you know, and, and, um, so I, I think it was an opportunity missed, um, in the debate this week and, and hopefully it won't, uh, hopefully it won't happen again, but, but we will, I'm sure have this assessment again after the December debate about what was missed. Oh, so. for sure. This week, Joni Ernst put out a tweet saying, over a quarter of the circuit court judges in America have been nominated by Donald Trump and confirmed by a Republican Senate majority, which is terrifying if you are not Joni Ernst. And Matt, as someone who has done a lot of work with the courts, uh, what is your reaction to this? <laughs> I Other mean, than just yikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yikes is the the big takeaway, obviously. I mean, but this is what they wanted to do. This is this is why this is why uh Senator Grassley, Senator McConnell, the Republican Senate under the last two years of Obama's term didn't do anything on judges. They sat there and let those vacancies pile up. And now Trump has appointed twenty five percent of our country's circuit judges. And 
They're circuit court judges. And that's... Also, I'd like to point out that the correct usage, uh, grammatical usage, should be more than a quarter. But oh, um, okay. that maybe that's splitting hairs, but also it's Joni Ernst, and I don't care. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, um, either way, either way you either way you say it, what that means is like is is that I mean whether you're um, whether you're LGBTQ as you were just talking about, or whether you're any community in this country that needs the that that relies on the courts to to. Um, to make sure that you have equal protection under the law, you're going to be more significantly out of luck because of this. I mean, they don't care. Like they don't like he's appointing people who are not just conservative members of the of the legal community. These are people who are right-wing ideologues and they just don't give a damn about any one of us. They like they, these are people who are who are who have been rated as not qualified by the American Bar Association. These are people who have proven track records of 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 hateful positions on on things, um, and that is our that is a quarter of our of our circuit court. There, uh, there are now. also more than one of them who has not been willing to say that Brown versus Board of Education has been correctly decided, right. which is like the lowest of low balls that you could be served. Right. I don't know sports. I don't know if that metaphor was correct. It's close but enough. <laughs> yeah. Close enough that I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about <laughs> baseball or softball or. Right. It's a, uh, um, they teed it up nicely. For okay. The, yes. For, that for them, it's a right? very, it's, it's an easy question. It's a answer. tee ball question. They right. set it up on the tee and you're supposed to just knock it over and run around the bases like you're four and on a tee ball team. Yeah. Um, there you go. And um, it, 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 it's just, it's, it's, um, it's mind boggling to think how much the court has changed because of this presidency and how much it will change. I mean, these are not, um, I don't have the numbers on the average age, but I know it's that like they're 45, young. It's like 45, 53, yeah, something like that. Which, which is which, very young. Yeah. I mean, because these are, these are appointments that will last. So I mean, they could be there for 30 years, um, a lot of these folks. So this is a generation of laws that is going to be in that, that a generation of, of legal rulings that is going to be in place because of this president. And that, that is something that we should absolutely remind people every single chance we get as we head into 2020 and really every presidential election, the right does such a good job about voting on the courts and we do not. Oh, for um, sure. This is a, this is the culmination of like a 40 year strategy that they've had, which I i mean, we don't have time to do this right now, but to do a deep dive into how the far right weaponized the courts would be so interesting. And also, I mean, just maybe a good game plan for how to fix it. Yeah. And I mean, they have, they've recruited people to be uh, judicial nominees too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Over decades. And, um, and then, and they are at the point where they have a president who is, <clears throat> who is, doesn't, care enough to put his own process in place for 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 determining judicial nominees and so during the that campaign would cut into his fox and friends time yeah and so, so right so so during the campaign he literally said he would outsource this to right-wing groups and so he would pick from their list of of nominees and that's what he's done um so we will absolutely continue talking about this um i like it's just it's maddening we're going to share this link in the in the in the show notes um or in the episode notes 
but um, but people should really be aware of what what this president has done to the courts with the help of Senator Grassley, Senator Ernst, and the Republican majority. Speaking of the courts, Iowa just this past week lost a giant in our legal community with Chief Justice Mark Cady's passing. And um, for those of you who don't know, he was the author of the landmark Varnum decision, which established marriage equality in the state of Iowa before most of the country and led to the removal of several justices who were also on that that decision, which I I mean, I wasn't here in 2009. Was was it a unanimous decision? Okay. It was unanimous. Which I mean, I think speaks for itself. But then again, the far right weaponized the the social conservative bit of this and voted a bunch of people out during the retention elections. And then they were filled with I suppose I don't know who they were filled with because I don't rem- remember who was governor at the time because I was in ninth grade in Illinois. <laughs> Branstad appointed uh, appointed new justices. Okay, and, and I know Branstad appointed Justice Katie too, which right. I'm sure was which was always a fun fact to pull out when he would have these more socially liberal positions that like y- you guys put him in here. He's just doing his job, and also the Iowa Constitution is a pretty dang liberal constitution. Yeah, and we also have a had a great system for appointing judicial nominees because they it's not just I mean what like in the federal level there's a the president can pick whoever he or she wants, but here the governor has to pick from a group of three. That that a nominating commission selects, and it's and it includes members of the legal community, and it, it they they it's based on merit. They have to apply, they have to interview. Uh, the interviews are also publicly available, like they're live right. streamed for people to look at. Right, and so so then so the governor has to pick from that little slate of of mm. nominees and or potential nominees, and so it's hard for either a Republican or a Democratic governor to go too far out of bounds mm-hmm. because because they just that because that's where their nominees come from. Um, one of the most troubling things about losing someone like I think about uh, I mean, it's obviously a tragedy for for his family and for um, for his friends and and for for the court, but looking forward, they just changed. Um, the Republicans just changed this system, giving the governor a lot of control over who she can pick to replace to replace him. And so the next nominee will not have to go through. We'll have to go through that same process. But it will be a different. The nominating commission will have a much different makeup. Right, and the governor has control of that. So, or will be given control of that. So, so we are. Hopefully not, but potentially at the beginning of a new type of Iowa Supreme Court that has much more politics in it than than has been the case in the past. And so it's a pretty stark. Um, this is this Chief Justice Katie's passing away. I think is a pretty stark marker in our state's history, where you have someone who has been part of so many landmark decisions. Um, who was re- appointed by a Republican governor, but came out of that merit merit based selection process, and now 
we're going to see what happens next. And it's kind of terrifying. I remember in one of the articles about Chief Justice Katie, they asked Representative Steve Holt for a comment about the uh, disagreements he had had with Chief Justice Katie, and he declined to comment. But this judicial reform thing was kind of like his thing in the, the House, at least. And for the most part, this all began because of the abortion ban decision that happened in 2017 that that said, no, you guys can't do that because the Constitution's one. I think it's the Equal Protection. No, Equal Protection Clause was in the Barnum decision. I don't recall the exact wording of the the abortion ban decision, but the the court has that has struck down both of the Iowa GOP's abortion bans. And I'm sure, I'm sure that had nothing to do with why Steve Holt wanted to, you know, or, and the governor wanted to change how we picked judges who, I don't know, would maybe, you know, adhere to the idea that, you know, all of us are free and equal, which is the literal first line of the Iowa constitution. I have a lot of feelings about the Iowa constitution. I think it's, good to have a lot of feelings about the Iowa Constitution. Our condolences to Justice Mark Cady's family and friends. He was truly a giant in the legal community in Iowa and a historical voice on the Iowa court. And he will be remembered, hopefully forever, for his his decision on so many of these, these important cases. We're going to wrap up this week with one of our least favorite prominent Iowans, Iowa GOP chair, uh, Jeff Kaufman, who carried out a bizarre attack on, on the Cedar Rapids Gazette editorial board, um, posting really creepy stalkerish posts uh, from Liz Lenz, one of the columnists there on Facebook. He, uh, uh, Kaufman posted these on Facebook. Um, and apparently had been screenshotting and saving uh, her tweets for a period of time. Um, and this is, uh, I, Lauren, I, I have my own thoughts about why this is so problematic, but but um, uh, I, I want to ask you what you thought of this and, and, um, and what your reaction is to it first. Number one, I think we all take screenshots of things, but posting them on a Facebook post with a weird random manifesto telling GOP candidates not to go to these editorial meetings at the Cedar Rapids Gazette, like save that for your group chat, bud. Like that is not a Facebook that you don't need to, you don't need to do that. I'm, I mean like this also just like reeks of okay boomer <laughs> and that joke really fell flat the last time I used it, but just uh, there were also several tweets underneath his his tirade that just said "Okay, boomer," and it was great. Yeah i i I think this is this is a lot more insidious than just Jeff Kaufman being mean and not a like and just not a kind person. To, in public anyway. It's also kind of a lie because the Gazette has historically backed GOP right. candidates. Like it's, they it's backed Branstead both like in 2010 <laughs> and 2014. They backed Romney and, and Grassley. And 
You know, it's completely yeah. dishonest. It's completely dishonest. But also, he just had a column out with Troy Price that got published. Yeah. So if they're saying that they're silencing GOP voices, I'm I'm a, I'm at a little bit of a. He doesn't have a leg to stand on because right. there's literally a conservative-ish. Adam Sullivan is like a. I was like just a, gonna say Adam Sullivan. A, yeah. I I would say conservative-ish. Because like he's a little bit more libertarian bent, but yeah, that's Adam Sullivan even went on like a tweet thread and was like, "This is all the stuff that I've been talking about." That so we're not like right, we're not policing your your language, dude. And also talking about how Iowa could be better is not is not a a bad thing, like. The first thing you need to do when you realize that there's a problem is like talk about what the problem is and then you can work on fixing it. And I understand that that may seem like a foreign concept to Jeff Kaufman because he likes to just go along with whatever, like, and, <laughs> and like whatever Kim Reynolds is doing and saying that Iowa's great. And I'm sure for Jeff Kaufman, Iowa is pretty great. But for everyone who isn't Jeff Kaufman, I'm sure there are things that they would like to change about Iowa. And these columnists are putting a voice to that. And maybe because that voice has not been historically put forward and now with more opportunities for more voices to rise to these kind of higher heights, he hasn't had to listen to these voices before and now he can't just brush them off. Right. No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think he, anyone that doesn't look like him, sound like him, believe what he believes is scary to him. But I also think that this is part of a long-term plan from uh, Nixon to the first Bush to um, to most Republicans. <laughs> to the second to Bush. To the second <laughs> Bush, to, to President Trump, to Jeff Kaufman. I mean, Joni Ernst didn't sit down with with the Des Moines Register editorial board in 2014 when she ran and a couple of others or several, I think several, several others. Um, they, they want you to, this is a part of their plan to attack the press so that when they report something that doesn't fit their worldview, you don't believe it. So who do you trust? Them. You trust, they want you to turn to Jeff Kaufman. They want you to turn to Donald Trump. They want you to turn to Fox news. They want you to turn to the sources that they know will push out their information, and this is, I mean, this is why I think this is much more insidious than just him attacking the the Gazette, because this is part of what they do. They don't want you to believe anything that they disagree with, so they want to undermine any media that allows that kind of information to get out. And I would say it's, you know, I'm, I would say I'm wearing a tinfoil hat, you know, conspiracy theorist over here, but it's something they've done for decades. I, I can attest that Matt is not, not wearing yeah, a hat right. right now. Yeah, I mean, but it Greg is some- <laughs> was earlier, but he's not anymore. Um, it's, it's something they've done for decades. Like this is this is part of their plan. This is part of their plan because if they if we get research and information out or different voices out, it undermines what they're trying to do. I think also they're just generally not not familiar with having to listen to voices that are not theirs and theirs being like general middle-aged Republican white men. See, I left you out of it that time. Thank you. (laughs) Um, 
but because they have so had the mic for so long about these issues that they're not, they don't think that they think that any other experience contradicts their existence. And now with the rise of social media and the kind of democratization of the, the media being able to like anyone can start a blog. Anyone can really be like a quote unquote citizen journalist or podcast um, or have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm entirely unqualified to, to, to be not true. Not true. Um, but so because of all of those things, all of these new voices are rising and coming to the fore. And because people like Jeff Kaufman and his, his, I don't want to say familiars, that sounds witchy, but his and his people have not had to listen to it. And suddenly it's in their newspapers. It's on their televisions. It, I don't know if I'm assuming they're always turned to Fox News, but I mean, Fox News even has commercials. Um, and so they're not used to it. And it is threatening their worldview to think that like they that their their experience for so long has been the default experience and there is a really good article in Dame Magazine about called The Tiresome Demand to Coddle Republicans and basically talking about how, like, because basically what I've been saying, because all these new voices are finally getting up, like getting to ha getting to be heard, that throws them into like a, oh, wait, this has been going on for for what? That's not happening. I would have heard of it. Things like that, and then you know, clutching their pearls because that's how this goes. <laughs> I think it is easy to kind of laugh at these rants that Jeff Kaufman goes on, and it is bizarre and kind of hysterical, or he's being hysterical about it. But, but I also yeah, Jeff Kaufman, <laughs> calm down. But I also just we should maybe end with a, a shout out to local journalists who are honestly trying to do their best yes. to get the story right, and columnists who are trying to. To, to have their voice heard and have interesting and unique voices heard across the state. Um, we are I, all about interesting and unique voices who and, have historically been underrepresented, but yeah. continue. And so whether it's the Gazette, whether it's the Moines Register, any of the local papers across the state, local TV stations, Iowa Starting Line, Bleeding Heartland, any of these groups that are, that are out there pushing to get information to people, I mean, they're doing, they're, they're doing their level best to get good information in the hands of Iowa citizens so that we can all be better informed about our government and our community. And that's really important. And when he does this, his purpose, his intention is to undermine that and to undermine a well-educated group of citizens. And that's, that's messed up. Also, most, if not all of these local news organizations are operating on like shoestring budgets. Yeah. So subscribe. And so you should pay for subscribe. Your yes. Pay for your content. Donate and to local groups that do. Do good work mm -hmm. and don't do what I do, which is go through three browsers and use private incognito <laughs> windows so you can get around it. But Shame. I'm going to, I'm going to subscribe. I'm going to subscribe. <laughs> Next week on What A Week, we are going to highlight uh, voices from across the state. We want you to tell us what you're thankful for, whether it's local journalism, whether it's whatever's on the menu for your Thanksgiving dinner. A fair and impartial judiciary. There you go. Anything that you want to share with us, um, we will we will put we'll put we'll try and put as many messages as we can on next week's podcast. So visit progressiowa.org/slash/message. That will be in the show notes as well. But um, 
but tell us what you're thankful for and and we'll share that next week over the thanksgiving uh, holiday weekend what a week is produced by progress iowa as part of the potluck media network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you we are recorded mixed and edited by greg howenstein for more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.